rules of court, rule 6, kinds of pleadings. Section 1, pleadings defined. Pleadings are the written statements of the respective claims and defenses of the parties submitted to the court for appropriate judgment. Section 2, pleadings allowed. The claims of a party are asserted in a complaint, counterclaim, cross-claim, third, fourth, etc., party complaint or complaint in intervention. The defenses of a party are alleged in the answer to the pleading asserting a claim against him or her. An answer may be responded to by a reply only if the defending party attaches an actionable document to the answer. Section 3. Complaint. The complaint is the pleading alleging the plaintiffs are claiming parties cause or causes of action. The names and residences of the plaintiff and defendant must be stated in the complaint. Section 4. Answer. An answer is a pleading in which a defendant, defending party sets forth his or her defenses. Section 5. Defenses. Defenses may either be negative or affirmative. A. A negative defense is the specific denial of the material fact or facts alleged in the pleading of the claimant essential to his or her cause or causes of action. B. An affirmative defense is an allegation of a new matter which, while hypothetically admitting the material allegations in the pleading of the claimant, would nevertheless prevent or bar recovery by him or her. The affirmative defenses include fraud, statute of limitations, release, payment, illegality, statute of frauds, estoppel, former recovery, discharge in bankruptcy, and any other matter by way of confession and avoidance. Affirmative defenses may also include grounds for the dismissal of a complaint, specifically that the court has no jurisdiction over the subject matter, that there is another action pending between the same parties for the same cause, or that the action is barred by a prior judgment. Section 6. Counterclaim. A counterclaim is any claim which a defending party may have against an opposing party. Section 7. Compulsory counterclaim. A compulsory counterclaim is one which, being cognizable by the regular courts of justice, arises out of or is connected with the transaction or occurrence constituting the subject matter of the opposing party's claim and does not require for its adjudication the presence of third parties of whom the court cannot acquire jurisdiction. Such a counterclaim must be within the jurisdiction of the court, both as to the amount and the nature thereof, except that in an original action before the regional trial court, the counterclaim may be considered compulsory regardless of the amount. A compulsory counterclaim not raised in the same action is barred unless otherwise allowed by these rules. Section 8. Cross-claim. A cross-claim is any claim by one party against a co-party arising out of the transaction or occurrence that is the subject matter either of the original action or of a counterclaim therein. Such cross-claim may cover all or part of the original claim. Section 9. Counter-counterclaims counter and counter-cross-claims. A counterclaim may be asserted against an original counterclaimant. A cross-claim may also be filed against an original cross-claimant. Section 10. Reply. All new matters alleged in the answer are deemed controverted. If the plaintiff wishes to interpose any claims arising out of the new matter so alleged, 
such claim shall be set forth in an amendment or supplemental agreement. However, the plaintiff may file a reply only if the defending party attaches an actionable document to his or her answer. A reply is a pleading the office or function of which is to deny or allege facts in denial or avoidance of new matters alleged in or relating to said actionable document. In the event of an actionable document attached to the reply, the defendant may file a rejoinder if the same is based solely on an actionable document. Section 11, 3rd, 4th, etc. Party Complaint A 3rd, 4th, etc. Party Complaint is a claim that a defending party may which leave of court file against a person not a party to the action called the 3rd, 4th, etc. Party Defendant for Contribution, Indemnity, Subrogation, or any other relief in respect of his or her opponent's claim. The third, fourth, etc. party complaint shall be denied admission and the court shall require the defendant to institute a separate action where a the third, fourth, etc. party defendant cannot be located within 30 calendar days from the grant of such leave that there be matters extraneous to the issue in the principal case erased or c the effect would be introduced would be to introduce a new and separate controversy into the action. Section 12. Bringing New Parties When the presence of parties other than those to the original action is required for the granting of complete relief in the determination of a counterclaim or cross-claim, the court shall order them to be brought in as defendants if jurisdiction over them can be obtained. Section 13. Answer to third, fourth, etc. party complaint. A third, fourth, etc. party defendant may allege in his or her answer his or her defenses, counterclaims or cross-claims, including such defenses that the third, fourth, etc. party plaintiff may have against the original plaintiff's claim. In proper cases, he or she may also assert a counterclaim against the original plaintiff in respect of the latter's claim against the third party plaintiff. Rule 7. Parts and Contents of a Pleading to uh, section 1. Caption. The caption sets forth the name of the court, the title of the action, and the docket number if assigned. The title of the action indicates the names of the parties. They shall all be named in the original complaint or petition, but in subsequent pleadings, it shall be sufficient if the name of the first party on each side be stated with an appropriate indication. When there are other parties, their respective participation in the case shall be indicated. Section 2. The body. The body of the pleading sets forth its designation, the allegations of the party's claims or defenses, the relief prayed for, and the date of the pleading. A. Paragraphs. The allegations in the body of a pleading shall be divided into paragraphs so numbered to be readily ad identified, each of which shall contain a statement of a single set of circumstances so far as that can be done with convenience. A paragraph may be referred by its number in all succeeding pleadings. Letter B headings. When two or more causes of action are joined, the statement of the first shall be prefaced by the words first cause of action of the second by second cause of action and so on for the others. When one or more paragraphs in the answer are addressed to one of several causes of action in the complaint, they shall be prefaced by the words answer to the first cause of action or answer to the second cause of action and so on. 
and when one or more paragraphs of the answer are addressed to several causes of action, they shall be prefaced by words to that effect. C. Relief. The pleading shall specify the relief sought, but it may add a general prayer for such further or other relief as may be deemed just or equitable. D. Date. Every pleading shall be dated. Section 3. Signature and Address. Letter A. Every pleading and other sub written submissions to the court must be signed by the party or counsel representing him or her. Letter B. The signature of counsel constitutes a certificate by him or her that he or she has read the pleading and document that, to the best of his or her knowledge, information, and belief formed after an inquiry reasonable under the circumstances, Number one, it is not being presented for any improper purpose such as to harass, cause unnecessary delay, or needlessly increase the cost of litigation. Number two, the claims, defenses, and other legal contentions are warranted by existing law or jurisprudence or by a non-frivolous uh, argument for extending, modifying, or reversing existing jurisprudence. Number three, the factual contentions have evidentiary support or if specifically so identified will likely have evidentiary support after availment of the modes of discovery under these rules and number four the denials of factual contentions are warranted on the evidence or if if specifically so identified are reasonable reasonably based on belief or a lack of information letter c if the court determines on motion or motu proprio and after notice and hearing that this rule has been violated, it may impose an appropriate sanction or refer such violation to the proper office for disciplinary action on any attorney, law firm, or party that violated the rule or is responsible for the violation. Absent exceptional circumstances, a law firm shall be held jointly and severally liable for a violation committed by its partner, associate, or employee. The sanction may include but shall not be limited to non-monetary directive or sanction, an order to pay a penalty in court, or if imposed on motion and warranted for effective deterrence, an order directing payment to the movement of part or all of the reasonable attorney's fees, and other expenses directly resulting from the violation, including attorney's fees for the filing of the motion for sanction. The lawyer or law firm cannot pass on the monetary penalty to the client. Section 4. Verification. Except when otherwise specifically required by law or rule, pleadings need not be under oath or verified. A pleading is verified by an affidavit of an affiant duly authorized to sign said verification. The authorization of the affiant to act on behalf of a party, whether in the form of a secretary certificate or a special power of attorney, should be attached to the pleading and shall allege the following attestations. Letter A. The allegations in the pleading are true and correct based on his or her personal knowledge or based on authentic documents. Letter B. The pleading is not filed to harass, cause unnecessary delay, or needlessly increase the cost of litigation. And letter C, the factual allegations therein have evidentiary support or if specifically so identified will likewise have evidentiary support after a reasonable opportunity 
for discovery. The signature of the affiant shall further serve as a certification of the truthfulness of the allegations in the pleading. A pleading required to be verified that contains a verification based on information and belief or upon knowledge, information and belief or locks, a proper verification shall be treated as an unsigned pleading. Section 5. Certification against forum shopping. The plaintiff or principal party shall certify under oath in the complaint or other initiatory pleadings asserting a claim for relief or in a sworn certification annexed thereto and simultaneously filed therewith letter A that he or she shall has not theretofore commenced any action or filed any claim involving the same issues in any court tribunal or quasi-judicial agency and to the best of his or her knowledge no such other action or claimant is pending therein. Letter B, if there is such other pending action or claim, a complete statement of the present status thereof. And letter C, if he or she should thereafter learn that the same or similar action or claim has been filed or is pending, he or she shall report that fact within five calendar days therefrom to the court wherein his or her aforesaid complaint or initiatory pleading has been filed. The authorization of the affiant to act on behalf of a party, whether in the form of a secretary certificate or a special power of attorney, should be attached to the pleading. Failure to comply with the foregoing requirements shall not be curable by mere amendment of the complaint or other initiatory pleading, but shall be cause for the dismissal of the case without prejudice unless otherwise provided upon motion and after hearing the submission of a false certification or non-compliance with any of the undertakings therein shall constitute indirect contempt of court without prejudice to the corresponding administrative and criminal actions if the acts of the party or his or her counsel clearly constitute willful and deliberate forum shopping the same shall be ground for summary dismissal with prejudice and shall constitute direct contempt as well as a cause for administrative sanctions. Section 6 Contents Every pleading stating a party's claims or defenses shall, in addition to those mandated by Section 2, Rule 7, state the following. Letter A. Names of witnesses who will be presented to prove a party's claim or defense. Letter B. Summary of the witnesses' intended testimonies, provided that the judicial affidavits of said witnesses shall be attached to the pleading and form an integral part thereof. Only witnesses whose judicial affidavits are attached to the pleading shall be presented by the parties during trial, except if a party presents meritorious reasons as basis for the admission of additional witnesses, no other witness or affidavit shall be heard or admitted by the court and letter c documentary and object evidence in support of the allegations contained in the pleading rule 8 manner of making allegations in pleadings section 1 in general every pleading shall contain in a methodical and logical form a plain concise and direct statement of the ultimate facts including the evidence on which the party pleading relies for his or her claim or defense as the case may be. If a cause of action or defense relied on is based on law, the pertinent provisions thereof and their applicability to him or her shall be clearly and concisely stated. Section 2. Alternative causes of action or defenses. 
a party may set forth two or more statements of a claim or defense, alternatively or hypothetically, either in one cause of action or defense or in separate causes of action or defenses. When two or more statements are made in the alternative and one of the one of them, if made independently, would be sufficient. The pleading is not made insufficient by the insufficiency of one or more of the alternative statements. Section 3. Condition Precedent In any pleading, a general averment of the performance or occurrence of all conditions precedent shall be sufficient. Section 4. Capacity Facts showing the capacity of a party to sue or be sued or the authority of a party to sue or be sued in a representative capacity or the legal existence of an organized association of persons that is made a party must be averred. A party designing to raise an issue as to the legal existence of any party or the capacity of any party to sue or be sued in a representative capacity shall do so by specific denial which shall include such supporting particulars as are peculiarly within the pleader's knowledge. Section 5. Fraud, Mistake, Condition of the Mind In all averments of fraud or mistake, the circumstances constituting fraud or mistake must be stated with particularity. Malice, intent, knowledge, or other condition of the mind of a person may be averred generally. Section 6. Judgment In pleading a judgment or decision of a domestic or foreign court, judicial or quasi-judicial tribunal, or of a board or officer, it is sufficient to aver the judgment or decision without setting forth matter showing jurisdiction to render it. An authenticated copy of the judgment or decision shall be attached to the pleading. Section 7. Action or defense based on document. Whenever an action or defense is based upon a written instrument or document, the substance of such instrument or document shall be set forth in the pleading and the original or a copy thereof shall be attached to the pleading as an exhibit which shall be deemed to be a part of the pleading. Section 8. How to contest such documents. When an action or defense is founded upon a written instrument or attached to the corresponding pleading as provided in the preceding section, the genuineness and due execution of the instrument shall be deemed admitted unless the adverse party under oath specifically denies them and sets forth what he or she claims to be the facts but the requirement of an oath does not apply when the adverse party does not appear to be a party to the instrument or when compliance with an order for an inspection of the original instrument is refused. Section 9. Official document or act. In pleading an official document or official act, it is sufficient to aver that the document was issued or the act was done in compliance with the law. Section 10. Specific denial. A defendant must specify each material allegation of fact the truth of which he or she does not admit and, whenever practicable, shall set forth the substance of the matter upon which he or she relies to support or uh, support his or her denial. Where defendant desires to deny only a part of an averment, he or she shall specify so much of it as uh, is true and material and shall deny only the remainder. Where a defendant is without knowledge or information sufficient to form a belief as to the truth of a material government made to the complaint, he or she shall so state and this shall have the effect of a denial. Sections 11. Allegations not specifically denied, deemed admitted. Material averments in a pleading asserting a claim or claims other than those as to the amount of unliquidated damages shall be deemed admitted 
when not specifically denied. Section 12, Affirmative Defenses. A. A defendant shall raise his or her affirmative defenses in his or her answer, which shall be limited to the reasons set forth under Section 5B, Rule 6, and the following grounds. 1. That the court has no jurisdiction over the person of the defending party. 2. That venue is improperly laid. 3. That the plaintiff has no legal capacity to sue. 4. That the pleading asserting the claim states no cause of action. and 5. That the condition proceeding for filing the claim has not been complied with. B. Failure to raise the affirmative defenses at the earliest opportunity shall constitute a waiver thereof. C. The court shall not appropriately resolve the above affirmative defenses within 30 calendar days from the filing of the answer. D. As to the other affirmative defenses under the first paragraph of Section 5B, Rule 6, the court may conduct a summary hearing within 15 calendar days from the filing of the answer. Such affirmative defenses shall be resolved by the court within 30 calendar days from the termination of the summary hearing. E. Affirmative defenses, if denied, shall not be the subject of a motion for reconsideration or petition for certiorari, prohibition, or mandamus, but may be among the matters to be raised on appeal after a judgment on the merits. Section 13. Striking out of pleading or matter contained therein. Upon motion made by a party before responding to a pleading or, if no responsive, Pleading is permitted by these rules upon motion made by a party within 20 calendar days after the service of the pleading upon him or her or upon the court's own initiative at any time, the court may order any pleading to be stricken out or that any sham or false redundant, immaterial, impertinent, or scandalous matter be stricken out therefrom. Rule 9. Effect of Failure to Plead Section 1. Defenses and Objections Not Pleaded Defenses and objections not needed either in a motion to dismiss or in the answer or deem waive. However, when it appears from the pleadings or the evidence on record that the court has no jurisdiction over the subject matter, that there is another action pending between the same parties for the same cause, or that the action is barred by a prior judgment or by statute of limitations, the court shall dismiss the claim. Section 2. Compulsory counterclaim or cross-claim not set up barred. A compulsory counterclaim or a cross-claim not set up shall be barred. Section 3. Default declaration of if the defending party fails to answer within the time allowed therefrom, uh, therefore, the court shall upon motion of the claiming party with notice to the defending party and proof of such failure declare the defending party in default thereupon, the court shall proceed to render judgment, granting the claimant such relief as his or her pleading may warrant unless the court in its discretion requires the claimant to submit evidence. Such reception of evidence may be delegated to the clerk of court. A. Effect of order of default. A party in default shall be entitled to notice or notices of subsequent proceedings but shall not take part in the trial relief. Letter B. Relief from order of default. A party declared in default may at any time after notice thereof and before judgment, file a motion under oath to set aside the order of default upon proper showing that his or her failure to answer was due to fraud, accident, mistake, or excusable negligence, and that he or she has a meritorious defense. In such case, the order of default may be set aside on such terms and conditions as the judge may impose in the interest of justice. Letter C. Effect of partial default. When a pleading asserting a claim states a common cause of action against several defending parties, some of whom answer and the other fail to do so, the court shall try to try the case against all upon 
the answers thus filed and render judgment upon the evidence presented. Letter D. Extent of relief to be awarded. A judgment rendered against a party in default shall neither exceed the amount or the different or be different in kind from that prayed for nor award unliquidated damages. Letter E. Were no default allowed. Defaults allowed. If the defending party in an action for annulment or declaration of nullity of marriage or for legal separation fails to answer, the court shall order the solicitor general or his or her deputized public prosecutor to investigate whether or not a collusion between the parties exists and if there is no collusion to intervene for the state in order to see to it that the evidence submitted is not fabricated. Rule 10, Amended and Supplemental Pleading, Section 1, amended, Amendments in General. Pleadings may be amended by adding or striking out an allegation or the name of any party or by correcting a mistake in the name of a party or a mistaken or inadequate allegation or description in any other respect so that the actual merits of the controversy may speedily be determined without regard to technicalities in the most expeditious and inexpensive manner. Section 2. Amendments as a matter of right. A party may amend his or her pleading once as a matter of right at any time before a responsive pleading is served or in the case of a reply at any time within 10 calendar days after it is served. Section 3. Amendments by leave of court. Except as provided in the next preceding section, substantial amendments may be made only upon leave of court, but such leave shall be refused if it appears to the court that the motion was made with intent to delay or confer jurisdiction on the court, or pleading stated no cause of action from the beginning which could be amended. Orders of the court upon the matters provided in this section shall be made upon motion filed in court and after notice to the adverse party and an opportunity to be heard. Section 4. Formal amendments. A defect in the designation of the parties and other clearly clerical or typographical errors may be summarily corrected by the court at any stage of action at its initiative or on motion provide no prejudice, provided no prejudice is caused thereby to the adverse party. Section 5. No amendment necessary to conform to or authorize presentation of evidence when issues not raised by the pleadings are tried with the express or implied consent of the parties, they shall be treated in all respects as if they had been raised in the pleadings. No amendment of such pleadings deemed amended is necessary to cause them to conform to the evidence. Section 6. Supplemental Pleadings Upon motion of a party, the court may upon reasonable notice and upon such terms as are just permit him or her to serve a supplemental pleading setting forth transactions, occurrences, or events which have happened since the date of the pleading sought to be supplemented. The adverse party may plead thereto within 10 calendar days from notice of the order admitting the supplemental pleading. Section 7. Filing of amended pleadings. When any pleading is amended, a new copy of the entire pleading incorporating the amendments which shall be indicated by appropriate marks shall be filed. Section 8. Effect of amended pleadings. An amended pleading supersedes the pleading that it amends. However, admissions in superseded pleadings may be offered in evidence against the pleader and claims or defenses alleged therein not incorporated in the amended pleading shall be deemed waived. Rule 11. When to file responsive pleading. Section uh, When to file responsive pleadings. Section 1. Answer to the complaint. 
the defendant shall file his or her answer to the complaint within 30 calendar days after service of summons unless a different period is fixed by the court. Section 2, answer of a defendant foreign private juridical entity where the defendant is a foreign private juridical entity and service of summons is made on the government official designate, designated by law to receive the same, the answer shall be filed within 60 calendar days after the receipt of summons by such entity. Section 3. Answer to amended complaint. When the plaintiff files an amended complaint as a matter of right, the defendant shall answer the same within 30 calendar days after being served with a copy thereof. Where its filing is not a matter of right, the defendant shall answer the amended complaint within 15 calendar days from notice of the order, admitting the same. An answer earlier filed may serve as the answer to the amended complaint if no new answer is filed. This rule shall apply to the court to the answer to an amended counterclaim, amended cross-claim, amended third, fourth, etc. party complaint, and amended complaint in intervention. Section 4. Answer to counterclaim or cross-claim. A counterclaim or cross-claim must be answered within 20 calendar days from service. Section 5. Answer to third, fourth, etc. party complaint. The time to answer a Third, fourth, etc. party complaint shall be governed by the same rule as the answer to the complaint. Section 6. Reply. A reply, if allowed under Section 10, Rule 6 hereof, may be filed within 15 calendar days from service of the pleading responded to. Section 7. Answer to supplemental complaint. A supplemental complaint may be answered within 20 calendar days from notice of the order admitting the same unless a different period is fixed by the court. The answer to the complaint shall serve as the answer to the supplemental complaint if no new or supplemental answer is filed. Section 8. Existing counterclaim or cross-claim. A compulsory counterclaim or a cross-claim that a defendant party has at the time he or she files his or her answer shall be contained Therein, Section 9, counterclaim or cross-claim arising after answer. A counterclaim or cross-claim, which either matured or was acquired by a party after serving his or her pleading may, with the permission of the court, be presented as a counterclaim or a cross-claim by supplemental pleading before judgment. Section 10, omitted counterclaim or cross-claim. When a pleader fails to set up a counterclaim or a cross-claim through oversight, inadvert inadvertence, or excusable neglect, or when justice requires he or she might may by leave of court set up the counterclaim or cross-claim by amendment before judgment. Section 11. Extension of time to file an answer. A defendant may, for meritorious reasons, be granted an additional period of not more than 30 calendar days to file an answer. A defendant is only allowed to file one motion for extension of time to file an answer. A motion for extension to file any pleading other than an answer is prohibited and considered a mere scrap of paper. The court, however, may allow any other pleading to be filed after the time fixed by these rules.